self-defeating forethought. There was once a hillman in a certain place who set out to increase his sins by hunting. As he walked along, he met a board that resembled the top of Suti Mountain. Straight away, he drew an arrow as far as his ear and recited this words. The fitted shaft and bowstring tension he sees and shows no apprehension. The psychological conclusion death has prompted this intrusion. Then with a sharp arrow he shot the boar, who in turn angrily tore the hillman's stomach with a pointed fang that shone like a crescent moon so that the men fell dead. The boar, also after killing the hunter, died in torment from the arrow wound. At this point, a starving jackal reached the spot in his aimless wanderings. When he spied a boar and a hunter both dead, he gleefully thought, Fate is kind to me, providing this unlooked for store of food. There is wisdom in the verse, the fruit of actions, good or bad, in each preceding state, without a further effort, comes upon us, brought by fate. And again, each deed from every time and place and age as consequence, bring goods or evil in exact and fitting recompense. Now I will eat in such a way as to have sustenance for many days. I will begin with the sinew wrapped round the boat tip. I will hold it in my paws and eat very slowly. For the saying goes, consumption of a treasure earned should very slowly follow as wise men sip elixir down, not bolt it at a swallow. After these reflections, he took into his mouth the sinew with its end hanging from the bow. And when the gut snapped, the bow tip pierced the roof of his mouth and came out like a top knot. And the jackal perished from the pain of it. And that is why I say, indulge in no excessive greed and rest of it. Then the Brahman continued, My dear, did you never hear this? These five are fixed for every man before he leaves the womb, his length of days, his fate, his wealth, his learning, and his tomb. After this preachment, the wife said, Well, I believe I have a bit of sesame grain in the house. I will grind it into flour and feed a Brahman. And her husband, having received her promise, went off to another village. Then the wife softened the sesame grains in hot water hulled them, placed them in a hot sun, and returned to her chores in the house. In this state of affairs, a dog made water in the dish of grain, and she thought when she saw it, Dear me, see how shrewd fate is when it has turned against you. Even this pure sesame grains it has made unfit to eat. Well, I will take them to some neighbor's house, make an exchange, unhurled for hurled, for anybody will bargain on those terms. So she put her grain 
in a basket and went from house to house, saying, Those who cares to exchange sesame unhulled for sesame hulled. Now she happened to enter with her grain, a house which I had entered to beg alms, and she made her offer there. The housewife was delighted and took the hurled grain in exchange for unhurled. Later her husband came home and asked, My dear, what does this mean? And she told him, I made a bargain, hulled sesame for unhulled. Over this he pondered, then said, To whom did this grain belong? And his son Kamandaki told to Mother Shandali. And then he said, My dear wife, she is mighty shrewd at a bargain. You had better throw this sesame away. It is certain, Mother Shandli, if bargaining in sesame, her hulled grains for unhulled kind, has some good reason in her mind. So, said Whitebottom, he surely derives this vigor in jumping from the smell of his hole. And he continued, Do you know his manner of attack? Yes, holy sir, I do, answered Cropier. He comes not alone, but with a school of mice. Well now, said Whitebottom, is there any digging tool about? Indeed there is, said Cropier. Here is a handy pickaxe, solid iron. In that case, said the guest, you and I must wake early so as to follow their tracks while the footprints still dirty the floor. Now when I heard the villain's speech fall like a thunderbolt, I thought, ah, this spells ruin for me, for his words imply something more. Just as he has marked my hole, so he will surely discover my fortress also. Of this he implied the meaning convinces me, for the proverb says, shrewd characters at sight can estimate aright their man as some are deaf to gorge an ounce by heft. And again, the, the budding fancy first betrays the character that strives for birth as recompense of good or ill in former lives. No marking tale has grown, yet when you see the beggar pick his mincing steps about the pond, you cry a peacock chick. So I was terrified, deserted the beaten track to my fortress, and my followers started on another track. Then a prodigious cat met us, and seeing the whole pack before him, pounced in our midst, and the mice who survived the slaughter scolded me for picking up a bad trail, and sought shelter in the old fortress, drenching the floor with blood. Yes, there is wisdom in the old story. A deer, there was that burst his bones, he flung the trap aside, he violently broke apart the hobbling snare that tied. From woods uncouth with tufted flames around him bristling, fled the hunter's arrows left behind to seeming safety sped. Into a well at last he tumbles on hostile fate, all efforts stumbles. Then I departed alone. The other poor dolts plunged into the old fortress. Thereupon the holy man, perceiving that the floor was smeared with the drops of blood, followed the trail to the fortress and began to ply the pickaxe. As he dug, he came upon the hoard over which I had lived so long. 
and the smell of which used to guide me back to the fortress. Then white bottom was filled with glee and said, Now crop ear, sleep in peace. It was a smell of this that enabled the mouse to wake you. So they took the hoard and turned to the cell. Now when I returned to the spot I could not bear to look at the sad disturbing sight. And I reflected, ah, what shall I do? Where shall I go? How may I win peace of mind? In such reflections the day dragged drearily away. Still when the sun had laid his thousand beams to rest, I went with my companions to the same cell. Though I was troubled and lacking in vigor, and when Cropier heard the patter of our pack, time and again he started to strike the arms bowl with his fragile bamboo. Then his guest said, My friend, why not go peacefully to sleep at last? Holy sir, I'm sure that villainous mouse has come with his followers. I do this from fear of him. But White Bottom laughed and said, Have no fear, my friend. His jumping energy is gone with his property. This rule applies to all creatures without exception, and the saying goes, The man has constant vigor, dares on others' back to mount, speaks in self-sufficient tone, he has a bank account. This angered me so that I made a desperate jump for the arms ball but missed and fell to the floor, and my enemy saw me and said to crop ear, Look, my friend, it's quite wonderful. You could put it into poetry. The wealthy men are men of force, and they are scholars all, of course. The mouse who lost his wealthy store is now a mouse and nothing more. And there is a point in this. A fangless snake, an elephant without an eichel store, a man who lacks a cash account, our names and nothing more. When I heard this, I reflected, alas, it is true that it is my enemy who says it. And for today, I have not the power to jump a mere finger's breadth. A curse upon fellow's life without money, as the saying goes, After money has departed, if the wit is frail, then like grills in summer weather, undertakings fail. For a sesame crow barley, men who have no cash, owing names but lacking substance are accounted trash. Beggars have no doubt their virtues, yet they do not flash. As the world has need of sunlight, virtues ask for cash. Beggar born less keenly suffer than the man who crash from a life of discomfort to a deficit of cash. Like the flabby breast of widows, hopes and wishes rash, helpless fall upon the bosom when there is no cash. The sun that stuns the eyes that shun, in vain he strains to see. The light so bright is wrapped in night by veils of poverty. With this broken spirit lamentation, I saw my own hoard of wealth converted into a pillow for my enemy, and at dawn I crept into my fortress, a failure. Then my attendants retired and gossiped together, look here, they said, the fellow has no power to fill our bellies. Those who ride his back get nothing but buffet from cats, for example, why pay him reverence, for the proverb says, 
a king from whom no bounties come but only buffet fall had better to avoided by soldiers first of all such remarks i heard on the trail and since when i returned to fortress not one of my followers accompanied me for i was penniless i began to ponder deeply a curse a curse on life of poverty there is sound sense in this verse even relatives are sure scornfully to treat the poor pride is docked and virtue's moon loses luster waning soon friends that were disgusted fly sorrows breed and multiply comes the imputation then of the sins of other men when a man is crushed by poverty and stricken down by fate his best of friends become his foes and tried affection hate and again empty is the childless home hurts that lack of friendship sure wide horizons to the fool all is empty to the poor and once again his passions are entire his name keen wit and speech just same the man's the same no see him change cast fails the life is out a oh, strange yet what have you folk like me to do with this money folk whose final fate is such as this positively my best course now that the property is gone is to withdraw to the forest as the proverb says pride builds a proper house never be humble spurn cards of heaven where pride takes a tumble failure may dog the step pride stands erect stoops not to widest wealth tainted abject as i continued my reflection yes the curse of beggary is dreadful as death for gutted by forest fire stands in sterile soil a tree gnarled and riddled by the worms better than the beggar be and as for beggary it is the shrine of wretchedness the dwelling place of tears a thief of mind the soil of doubts the treasury of fears concreted meanness home of woe and haughty honors knell a form of death to self esteem no different from hell and again a beggar is a man of shame who bids farewell to honor's name from this humiliations grow then melancholy's gloomy woe but gloom with sadness dims the sense and sad men lack intelligence now death is folly's certain fruit thus money's lack is evil's root and once again trust your hands between the jaws of a angry snake trust your hands between the jaws of a angry snake slumber in the house of death poison to liquor take dash yourself to pieces down himalaya's side do not feast on riches wrung from villain's pride to sum it up feed your body to the flames friend if you are needy do not cringe to beg a dole from selfish greedy better roam in forest wilds with the beasts of prey than by whimpering for gifts baseness to betray this is the case what possible course shall i adopt to keep alive how about robbery that too is damnable for it means appropriating what belongs to others and the verse puts it better let your tongue be tied than to know that you have lied 
Better to be impotent than adulterously bent. Better die than take delight in the petty pricks of spite. Better beg as a monk than feel that you live by what you steal. Well then, shall I live in charity? That too is damnable, my friends, damnable. That too is a second gate of death, as the saying goes. Parasite or exiled scamp, invalid or homeless tramp. Life is death for these, the best would be death, for death is rest. Then I must at any cost recover the very treasure that White Bottom has stolen. For I saw my money back converted into pillow for these two villains. I must regain my property, and if I die in the attempt it will be better than this. For if cowards who see themselves despoiled too tamely feel the sting, their fathers in the world beyond will spurn their offering. After reaching this conclusion, I went there at night and gnawed a hole in the bag after he had gone to sleep. Thereupon, the dreadful holy man awoke and struck me on the head with fragile bamboo. Yet somehow I escaped death, predestination, you see, as the old rhyme puts it. What's duly his a man receives, this law not even God can break. My heart is not surprised nor grieves, for what is mine no strangers take. How was that? asked the crow and the turtle, and gold told the story of Mr. Dewey.